Hi and welcome to the Bizink podcast. I'm delighted to have with me Sophie Hossack here from Receipt Bank. Hi Sophie. Matt, hi, how's it going? Yeah, really good, thank you. I'm just getting ready for um, ZeroCon South in Brisbane. Are, are you going to be there? We definitely are, yeah. We're, uh, I'm flying out tomorrow, which is, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, very good, same here. Um, yeah, it'd be good to get away from the New Zealand winter, or, well, I guess we're in spring now, but um, it's um be a lot warmer in Brisbane anyway. It's just going to be a mammoth event. I think this is the first time it's going to be at this scale, and Every year, uh, it seems to be getting bigger and better, and um, I just, yeah, it's a really exciting thing to be part of. Fantastic. Oh, good stuff. Well, I look forward to catching up then. Um, but for our listeners, um, could you just give us a little bit of um, uh, a background? I know you, you've been with Receipt Bank for five five years now, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um so yeah, if you could just give us a little bit bit of background to to maybe yourself and and you know Receipt Bank as well, that would be great. Absolutely. So Receipt Bank started uh, life in London in uh, August 2010, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been going for about five and a half, six years. Um, we are focused at the accounting and bookkeeping practice, uh, looking at how to make bookkeeping as effortless and automated as possible. So really enabling practices to offer a, a profitable and scalable and efficient bookkeeping service. Um, so we're building um, tools to, to really help practices with that and to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I started life in the London office. Um, I was uh, there with the two co-founders for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out to New Zealand. So I uh, first moved out to Auckland uh, for a year and then moved out to Sydney where we started to build a team uh, and to develop it into the market here. So we've been in the Sydney office now for just under three years, which is really, really exciting. Very cool. And so in those five years, how do you think, you know, accounting and bookkeeping has changed in that time? Because I think it has been a, a time of kind of great flux. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think five years ago had anybody said, bookkeeping one of the biggest tools in bookkeeping would be your mobile phone I don't think people would have fully appreciated it or realized what that meant mm. I think the idea of phones cameras taking photographs uh, using uh, your day-to-day social um, uh, I guess technology social um, devices to, to work on your bookkeeping has become so normal and I think that's been the biggest change I think that small businesses are used to using their mobile phones now in so many areas of their business and that's including bookkeeping. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that really is normalized. I was going to talk about that later is that, you know, we'll be going to zero con and we're a receipt bank user. It gives you such a boost that, you know, you're buying things on the expense account and I can just take a photograph of that on the phone and it's done. No need to, you know, even keep the, um, keep the receipts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I agree. Um, so like me, you're originally from the UK and, and now living down under and, um, I was in, I was in London for, for ZeroCon this year in February and so many people came up to me and said, oh, what, what, what's the next thing that's going to be happening? What's, you know, and, and they kind of believe that, um, that New Zealand and Australia are way ahead of the world when it comes to, you know, accounting software, accounting technology, and, and just everything around that. Um, 
So first of all, do you agree that there is a gap between, um, say, New Zealand and Australia and the rest of the world? Um, and 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 if if so, do you think that gap's closing? Good question. I think that um, there's no question there are statistics that show that the number of small businesses, the penetration of cloud accounting in small businesses in Australia is the highest out of any country globally. Mm. So that's really, really helpful uh, as a kind of landscape. I think there's also something unique about New Zealand and Australia um, where the the sense of small business, the sense of entrepreneurship, the sense of starting things and testing things is really rife here. And I definitely didn't get the sense that that was the same in the UK you know, four, four years ago when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but things things have definitely kind of been changing and the, you know, the UK is much more embracing now, technology and you know, definitely cloud accounting as well. But I, I do think there's something unique about the way small businesses have started here. I think, I remember thinking a couple of years ago that everyone I seemed to speak to had either started their own company or their wife had their own company, or you know their parents had their own company and their own small business. And I was thinking in the UK, the vast majority of people I you know knew or uh, people who had careers had worked for other people. There were mm. people who owned their own small business. So my mum is, for example, one of four. And so out of the eight adults I grew up with, you know, aunties and uncles and that kind of thing, my dad was the only one who owned his own small business. Mm. And I loved it. If that were in Australia or New Zealand, it would be the total opposite. Right. True. Um, so I think there's definitely something unique and kind of special about the, the location here. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've run a business in the UK for a number of years, and I always found that people were very. Um, a lot of my my friends, intelligent people, and, and whatever, but they were very uneducated when it came to business, um, and. Um, I think that cultural aspect is 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 really important. You know, f- for example, you go to the states, and entrepreneurialism and and the business culture I think is fantastic. You know, in terms of encouraging success. Um, so yeah, I think it is that th- those subtle differences are are quite interesting. Um, so um, Receipt Bank as as an app has really strong support in the the accounting and bookkeeping community um and one of the reasons i've always thought that that is is because you you don't do a whole bunch of things so you know i'm not saying you just do one thing but but you do the scope of what you do is 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 narrower and you do that really well whereas some accounting apps are a bit more like a swiss army knife you know they do a bunch of things but none of them is really that great um do, do you think that's a fair assessment I think um, I think you've kind of hit one of the core, I suppose, cultural elements to receipt bank. We're incredibly focused. We're really, really focused on what we do, uh, and that ranges from, uh, you know, our marketing agenda, our sales process, uh, our product, and how we um, change and modify that. We're really interested in making sure that the outcome of everything we do is is ultimately the best. So we're looking at real focus and real attention to detail on that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And do you think there's a lesson there for, for, for any business or, you know, accounting or bookkeeping firm about the power of kind of focus and specialization? Oh, gosh, good point. Um, I think it's something that takes quite a lot of confidence. And, you, you know, it's definitely something that we've 
grown in confidence in. Um, Alexis, our CEO, is a very focused individual. He will absolutely be focused on one thing and will finish that thing and we'll do that thing and then we'll move on to the next one and so I've definitely been modified because of him and his attitude towards it mm. I think it's a really difficult thing to say actually uh, as a say a bookkeeping firm that you're not going to be taking on clients because they don't fit your your mold and your process you know, that takes a real level of confidence and belief in what you're doing I think ultimately that's absolutely the right thing to do but it does take uh, a while to I think grow into that confidence and really know what you're focused on um, mm. and really begin, begin to master master that. Yeah, I know. I mean, like we're obviously a very specialized business. We, we basically only work with accountants and bookkeepers. And what I find one of the most powerful things is that power of focus because it just answers so many questions for you, you know, um, like you say with marketing. Uh, do we market here? Well, are there accountants and bookkeepers here, there? If they're not, we, we don't market there. And and it makes those a lot of decisions very, very black and white. And that makes focusing um, a lot easier. And it's the hard thing because you say, for example, Receipt Bank is this peculiar app where all small businesses are mandated to do bookkeeping. Mm. And that means that basically all small businesses could be using Receipt Bank. And there are something like 200, 250 million small businesses globally. So we could say yes to every single opportunity to, to acquire those small businesses. But actually what we're doing instead is thinking, no, how do we help these practices? How do we help the bookkeeping and accounting community to offer bookkeeping in a way that, as I said, is, is profitable for them to do so? Um, so the power of saying no and the power of saying we could do that, but actually what we're going to do is something different um, is, is kind of key. Mm, sure. So, so one thing you touched on a couple of times there is um, the, the profitability aspect. Um, and um, so I was reading the Receipt Bank blog earlier, and I, I know there's a post on, on value pricing, which let's not go into that because I'm sure firms hear enough about that all the time. Um, but um, part of that post, one of the firms mentioned was KPMG. Um yeah. And they're now doing small business accounting packages from, um, it says on the post, £150 a week, so roughly 200 US or, or 300 Australian or New Zealand dollars, um, sorry, per week, per month. Um, so really, you've got that big four reaching down into the, um, you know, what, what was previously the domain of smaller local firms. Um, and I think technology's opened up that small business market for them and made it profitable enough for them to do that. Um, how much of a threat do you think the big four are with that approach to smaller firms? And, and do you think um, there are some things that those firms can do to, to mitigate that threat? I think that's a really good question. I think that um, there is an opportunity with technology uh, to be nimble, mm -hmm. uh, to look at you know, reducing your internal costs. Uh, to acquire clients uh, in multiple locations. So rather than just thinking it has to be on your doorstep, you have to mm. acquire these small business clients. You know, you could really be using, particularly here in Australia, I mean, time zones as, as an advantage. I met a practice relatively recently um, who had, they'd originally been in Perth, but then had moved to Sydney. Mm -hmm. And so some of their small business clients were still in Perth. And basically what happened was they can then work on the small business clients, you know, 
books effectively whilst uh, Perth is still early in the morning. So by the mm. time small business wakes up in Perth, the books are already reconciled. So they're using time zones in a really clever way um, to be able to deliver a really excellent service. So I think there are opportunities to, whether you're you know top four, high street, uh, mid-tier, or, or one-man band, brand new practice, to take advantage of it in the way of scaling, reducing costs, and focusing on what does a good client experience look like. Um, that's what I think the opportunities are. Mm. And you think that that last point you made, what does a good client experience look like, that that potentially is where a smaller local firm will always, um, or not always have an advantage, but, but have a potential advantage over a kind of yeah. a big four firm? I definitely think there's uh, an advantage in being able to articulate what you want that experience to be. Mm. So whether you're big or whether you're, you're small, it doesn't really matter the size as much, but are you able to articulate what it is you want that, that experience to be? And then how are you going to deliver it? Um, it's very important to know, you know, whether it's whether relationships are important, whether being able to give uh, businesses the right tools and technology, whether it's uh, you know very up-to-date real-time information that ultimately gives a better experience in a you know busy uh, small business industry, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it necessarily matters what the size is, but what is important is can you articulate what it is you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so in terms of productivity, um, mm-hmm. what other apps do you use? personally to or, or within receive bank to, to keep you productive <laughs> so i've got a running joke kind of internally but yeah. professionally i am uh, i'm always on time i am uh, you know productive i'm efficient and personally i'm, I'm sometimes a bit of a mess so i'm <laughs> i've <laughs> i am totally a run off my calendar yeah um so my calendar is something both Freshly and personally that I that I run off and kind of adhere to and stick to, which is key. Um, things that I picked up recently that I can't imagine living without now is one thing is Slack. Mm. Uh, I used to get bombarded with internal emails, particularly as an international company, um, like all the time. Because whether it's from you know our Washington DC office or our London office, didn't really matter. I'd be bombarded with them. Um, and Slack has actually just totally, totally reduced the number of internal comms. It's also made internal comms amongst teams uh, much more efficient and ultimately actually a lot more enjoyable. Mm. Um, so I think Slack is a really useful app that we've we've picked up. Um, what else do I do? I'll I just use ju- I'll just jump in there because we we use Slack mm. as well, and I think I talked to you about this in at Atsa at Sydney um, mm. about a year ago, but. Um, we had the same problem where we just had you know, internal email was getting out of hand and um, very inefficient. So we introduced Slack, which is um, well, it's basically, I guess, an instant messaging app. Um, but it's very hard to. So people go, is it like, is it like Skype? And you're like, kind of. But um, uh, yeah, I think you have to experience it to understand what's so much better about it. Um, so we'll include a link to slack on on the podcast page and um i recommend people have a look at it because the productivity gain we've had internally from doing that we can organize all the teams into different groups and and also the integrations that come off slack are are really interesting it's very well integrated with other 
platforms as well. For example, like Asana, which is a, a project management tool that we use, very very well I integrated. Do you integrate those two together? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, th that's that's one of their. Um, they've got a lot of good native integrations, you know. So so they're just kind of out of the box works. Um, but yeah, we use it for all kinds of things. So like when a support ticket drops, it's notified in Slack. When we, you know, when we get a new sale, everyone in the company knows, and that's quite cool. You know, right. everyone's like, oh yeah, well done to the salesperson and that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, we, we found it to be a really good tool. It was also the tool that we've uh, adopted the most quickly. So I remember, I remember because it was so impressive. I, it was a Thursday where. I'd emailed my team here in Sydney saying, we're going to be moving to Slack on Monday. And Monica, who's our terrific um, admin here in, in the office, was organizing and inviting everybody to different groups and you know, putting the infrastructure in place for the move on Monday. By Thursday lunchtime, everybody was already on it and communicating on it. So it was mm. a quick thing and spaced by a couple of hours. The team just embraced and, and started using. And that was a really positive sign. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um... I've got this kind of thing about software is, is you know, the, the less you have to almost interact with it, the, the, the better. And that's one of the things I like about Receipt Bank. You know, we just forward our receipts to, to Receipt Bank or whatever. There's minimal kind of interaction as such. that The app does the work. And, and I think Slack's the same where you don't have to think about it, learn a load of stuff. It just it just kind of is pretty intuitive. Mm. We should, yeah, get some, okay. should, should get some freebies off Slack for this. <laughs> Um, no, it, it is very good. Are there, are there any other apps that you that, that you would uh, that, that you use? Yeah, so we run everything on Google Docs mm -hmm. here internally. So the collaboration to work on an Excel spreadsheet or you know a Word doc is really really powerful. I mean, I was doing it this morning with our, our uh, head of content in in London. We were working off the same Google Doc, and um, so that's really important. That's really really key. And um, I think I've I used Pomodoro for a while, mm -hmm. and that's a little countdown, which basically mm. gives you 30-minute blocks and to make you really focused on what you're trying to achieve in that 30 minutes. So particularly for kind of mundane tasks where you can start to get distracted quite easily, things like if, you're, if you've got a series of emails that you need to either send out or reply to, I find that quite useful for keeping you targeted on using the time effectively and efficiently. Um, yeah, I use, um, so yeah, I use an app. It might only be on Mac, I'm not sure, called Focus. Um, yeah. And what that does, it's sort of got that Pomodoro stuff, which is, Pomodoro is based around, is it 20 or 25 minutes? I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, it's 25 with a five-minute break, I think. That's right. So, so Focus basically is just an app which you you tell it to um, block certain things on your computer. So Facebook, Twitter, all your distraction ah. apps, your, your Gmail or whatever. And so you turn on focus and, and one of the standard blocks of time is 25 minutes. And, and that just happens to be quite a useful time block to get, like you say, a mundane task done. Switch it on and it will block all of that stuff so you're not distracted and you just do the task like you're saying um alexa ceo does i think that's a you know you can just do that task finish it move on to the next one so focus i would recommend that as quite a cool uh, productivity app yeah it is good and then you can add your own sites in there so you know if, if there's certain sites you 
you always go and look at when you shouldn't do then you can put those in there as well so you can so at the moment uh so at the moment what i need to block is on bbc sport because i am glued to the us open um and i Anthony murray's playing right now and i was just trying to find the scores and stuff so oh is he playing I, yeah one of my colleagues and i are like trying to figure out you know where he's up to so uh, that would definitely be a thing i need to block today I think it might be a good, good bet to win it. <laughs> this uh, one. I I reckon I reckon our, our man Murray might do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, so one thing that kind of has, has been playing around in my head a, a little while is productivity is hugely important, and and obviously in any competitive business environment, it it can be the difference between success and failure. Um. Mm. What I've noticed in accounting and bookkeeping a little bit is sometimes being obsessed with um, automating things and productivity um, over necessarily the quality and effectiveness of the work being done. Um, Have you noticed that sort of same trend of um, people doing um, the wrong work really productively? Oh, good question. Um, I'm not sure whether I've necessarily can think of an example of that, but what I think I've I've seen a lot is people expecting silver bullets with automation. Mm. And I think that's a difference. I think a lot of firms that we've spoken to, you know, over the last few years have, have either expected a silver bullet and have ultimately been disappointed by it or their team have expected a silver bullet and the internal change management of the process is evolving and changing and the automation is starting from a low base and we're going to be improving and increasing that over a course of say six, 12 months to Mm. get an outcome, which is uh, increasing our productivity. That's something that I've definitely noticed. And I've also noticed that productivity is a really hard thing to measure. Mm. Like it's a really hard thing to feel because you don't necessarily, it's not like losing weight where you go to the gym for, you know, 12 months or sort of like intense boot camp with a, a personal trainer and you end up looking terrific. You don't feel something like productivity very easily. Mm. Um, so being able to measure it in a way, whether that is, um, you know, increasing in, in the clients you can service, whether that's decreasing the hours that you're working in your evenings or your weekends whether that's uh, changing the team structure. I think those are the outcomes of productivity. And what I'd, what I'd say is I think that it's a hard thing to measure and to track. And I think mm. that more practices are starting to realize that those are the outcomes, those are the tangible outcomes of productivity. So they're starting to be more conscious and aware of what those are. Yeah, right. Do you have any kind of like reports that you would um... – or metrics that you would encourage people to run on on those type of things? Yeah, so we definitely talk about the bookkeeper to client ratio. Mm -hmm. We definitely look at um, how many clients can a typical bookkeeper service in your practice. Mm -hmm. So how can, um, rather than it being an average of, say, 10 clients per bookkeeper, how can it actually be 20 or 30 or, you know, even 40? Mm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that all clients are created equal or that the work that, that they have each month is equal for those clients, but it, it gives a sense of the workload. You should be able to service more and, and do more work if you're automating a larger chunk of it. Mm. Um, 
So one of our one of our practices, actually they're based in Holland, mm-hmm. and they're a practice called IBEO, and they are they were the first firm that we really started working with who were looking at it in this way. They are uh, absolutely razor razor focused on productivity of their internal team, mm. and their bookkeeper to client ratio is one to fifty two. So for every bookkeeper internally, they're working with and servicing fifty two clients. Mm. That's just the the rigorous nature of that is so impressive um, and it's manifested in uh, a variety of ways. I mean, it's not just how do they use receipt bank, for example. It's even things like um, when they're meeting a potential client for the first time and they're going through that um, you know, qualification onboarding process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know when you're at a meeting, the interesting thing you do is pick your phone out of your pocket and put it on the table. Mm. So what they do is they will be looking at the client's choice of phone. So if it's a iPhone 4 or, or an old Android, they're not very interested in using, you know, working with that client because their use of technology is outdated in comparison to what their ideal client would be. And so if they're using a, an iPhone 5, an iPhone 6, yep, happy to work with them. If they've got, a, you know, the latest model, they're very, very excited. And if they've got an Apple Watch, that's a no-brainer. They'll work with that client. So their yeah, their ruthless kind of razor focus on what does productivity look like manifests in all sorts of ways, even at which clients they're going to be working with. Yeah, right. They probably wouldn't work with me. I've got a crappy old phone. <laughs> I hate phones. I've got a technology business and, and I don't like phones. I don't know why that is. But, but uh, it's just an indicator for how technology, you know, technologically advanced they would they would assume you were. Yeah, and of course yeah. they would love to work with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, my, I don't even I don't even know what phone it is. Some Samsung phone. That's how bad it is. It it does what I need to do. Receipt bank runs on it. So. There we go. Um, so final thing I wanted to talk to you about was um we've talked about um you know technology quite a bit. I noticed that um Panalytics are running a free meditation session the night before ZeroCon, yeah. um, which looks pretty interesting. Um, so I've tried, I've tried a few of those things like mindfulness, and um, yeah, my mind kept wandering, so <laughs> probably needed to try a bit harder. But uh, um, do, do you use any like non-technological methods to improve your productivity? So that I've definitely tried a couple of them as well. I tried Headspace last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've definitely been, you know, I've definitely read quite a lot about meditation apps to, mm. to help improve focus and productivity. Something that I've found to be really helpful over the last 12 months is um, actually to get regular massages. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds quite um, uh, quite luxurious mm-hmm. to be able to say that, but I've found that to be really, really helpful at um, clearing, clearing my mind um, and being able to kind of relax into into the decisions that you're trying to make. Mm. So I think um, definitely regular exercise is incredibly beneficial. So yeah. I, I try and go running and swimming regularly every week. But I found the, the combination of then using that as well as having this kind of massage to be really effective. Um, I've definitely got to try again with some of these meditation apps because everyone raves about them. So uh, I think I've got to try a bit harder. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hardcore, the mindfulness one. My, I got about, I don't know, a third of the way through it, but my, my partner's just finished it. But you, you've got to go to some pretty uh, dark places with it as well, you know, and it's it, it's pretty committing. I think you, you end up doing like a four or five meditations a day at one point. So, um, but I think the benefits are, 
a pretty um pretty big if you can do it but there's a, there's a bit of commitment there too yeah definitely definitely oh cool right well that's been really good sophie really appreciate it um we'll um we'll include obviously links to receipt bank but some of those things that we we talked about there like the pomodoro mm-hmm. technique and that kind of thing we'll include those on the podcast page as well for people who who want to find out more um Fantastic. so that just leaves me to say thanks very much for for being a guest and i look forward to catching up um in brisbane in in a couple of days yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. It's been great. See you soon. No, brilliant. Thanks, Sophie.